going right now or what you ate, but I just had a big old burrito. So I'm feeling good and comfortable and full at the same time. But uh, it's my last lesson I get to do while I'm here. So it's been awesome. I'm fired up about that. But um, we're talking about hero, being a hero maker. Okay. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus was certainly a hero, right? Yeah. The impact he had, what he did. That's right. And yet if Jesus came, did everything he did in his three years of ministry and then left and wasn't also a hero maker in the church, we wouldn't have the book of Acts. Yeah. Right. And so a, a big part of what what made Jesus a great leader wasn't just that he was a great leader, but he made great leaders. Yeah. He made other leaders. And so. If you want to be a leader like Jesus, you can't just be a great leader. You need to make other great leaders. Amen. And so I'm going to read uh, Mark 3, 13 to 15 and Luke 6, 12 to 13 from the Harmony of the Gospels. So it's just kind of like merging those passages together. If you've never read the Harmony of the Gospels. It's awesome. I would encourage you to read that. It takes all four books and meshes them together as one book. And so uh, you can kind of get a full picture of Jesus's life and teachings that way. But... So Mark 13, 13 and 15 says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. These are the names of the twelve. And then it goes on to name the 12 apostles. You know, as we look at Jesus' life and ministry, I think it would be fair to say that he potentially invested more time in his 12 men and then his inner three, Peter, James, and John, than anything else. Right. He, he called them to be with them, and it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to meet once a week. Hey, we're going to have a meeting once a month or for seven weeks in the beginning of the semester or you know, it wasn't, it was a 24-7 walk with, life with, for the whole time that Jesus did his ministry. And so everything else he did that you could break down, oh, he spent this much time serving the poor, this much time teaching, this much time praying. But all of that, he was training his guys. And so he potentially did more training than he did anything else. And so I think as leaders imitating Jesus, we should invest in helping the weak. Saving the lost, praying, planning great devos, events, and writing sermons. But if as leaders we do all that, but then don't invest in raising up leaders, we've missed the leadership of Jesus. If we become great leaders, but don't raise up other leaders, we've missed the leadership of Jesus. And so every campus minister should put raising up Bible talk leaders, interns, campus ministers right towards the top of your goals, responsibilities, objectives, and things that you focus on. And it should also be an expectation. You lead a campus ministry, are you expected to plan events? Yes. yes. Are you expected to preach the word? Yeah. Are you expected to pray for your ministry? Yeah. Yes. Right? And there's a lot of things we're expected to do. Are you expected to baptize people? Yes. yes. And yet, are you, are you expecting yourself to raise up a leader? Is that something that you're expecting of yourself right now? This semester, who am I training? This year, is there going to be a new leader that I've invested in and raised up? It needs to be an expectation. And I think you've got to consider the future of the church if we do not. We have just shy of 700 churches. Each of them need an evangelist. If they're going to grow to be what they need to be, they're, they're going to need multiple evangelists, multiple right. campus ministers, youth and family, singles. 
Are we raising up enough leaders to replenish the leadership of over 600 churches? And we don't want to just maintain. We want to grow. You don't want to just, you know, we, we help our college students. You, you want to replace yourself, but plus one, right? Like you don't want to just, hey, I helped one other person become a Christian. Now I'm graduating. The goal would be I helped two other people. So now I'm graduating and the ministry has grown plus one. And so think about leadership that way. Hey, man, I'm moving on to a new role. I raised up somebody. That doesn't help the church grow. That helps the church maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To help the church grow, you've got to raise up two leaders. One to replace you and another to help spread it out and grow even more. Yeah. And so we've got to be thinking that way with raising up leaders. I think the way that every disciple needs to set out to save as many as possible, we must also raise up as many as possible. And that should be on our, on our mind as a mantra as well is raise up as many as possible. So Chelsea and I are going to be doing this lesson together. We've got three points on raising up leaders. And the three points are choose wisely, commit deeply, and commission boldly. Choose, commit, commission. Choose wisely. You've got to pick the right people. In uh, the passage that I read, it says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, which was a whole lot more than just the 12 guys, but then he chose 12 of them. Right, so Jesus, in his choosing which 12 guys to train and to invest in, he didn't just like spend five minutes thinking about it or just look at the list. He says he spent all night praying to God. I'm challenged by that. I've never spent an all night praying to God before choosing leaders. You know, that, that calls me higher. But Jesus, what does that tell us? He spent all night praying about who he was going to invest his time in. It tells us it's important who we pick, that we need to choose the right people. And he chose a dozen young men that he saw as the right people. And you obviously see how Peter, James, and John got some extra attention within that. How careful are you in choosing leaders in your ministry? How careful are you in choosing who's going to be a Bible talk leader? Who's going to lead a D group? Who you're going to train? Who's going to be an intern? You know, we got to be careful in these decisions because it it makes a big impact on the church. So what should we be looking for in who we pick? In uh, the New York church, Sam Powell has helped us, uh, we've kind of built off of this, to have some C's of leadership that we look for. These are all words that start with the letter C. And so let me just say this right off the bat. Nobody that we choose to train already has all of these qualities and is excelling in them. But we're looking for components. We're looking for some of these qualities, potential in these qualities. Some of them, I would say, are a little bit more negotiable than others. Uh, but that there's potential in these. And, okay, wow, they've got these three qualities. We're going to help them with these four. And there's some of that. But this, this should be some guidelines of what to look for. So some C's of ministry. The first one is called. You know, the, in, in Ephesians, it says God chooses some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That leadership is a gift. It's a calling. Some people are called to lead. Others are not called to lead. So you look at your ministry, and you just got to kind of ask, like, who seems to have the gift of leadership? And there's just some people that, for whatever reason, they stand out to you. There's an it factor there. And I don't even know how to define it, but there's just an it factor. It's just this, this person's got, they can be a leader or they are a leader. Maybe it's not even in the ministry yet. Maybe it's on their sports team and their class and something. But you just see in this person, there, there's a gift of leadership in there. I could tell. I just see it. You know, when, when Matt Rupert came in from teams, when Mark came in from teams, there was so much stuff they had to learn and grow in. That's right. But they had this it factor that was an obvious, these guys need to be trained for ministry. And there was just something about them that, that was obvious and clear. These guys are called to leadership. 
And so there's those people that just stand out. And we got to be looking for that. Another C is consumed. People who are just passionate, zealous. They're already doing it. It's not about a leadership role. It's about a vision. It's about a dream. It's about God. And so they're, they're, they're excited. They're engaged. They have a deep desire to love God and to love people. They're consumed with it already. It, you don't have to make them a leader to do it. They're going to do it anyway. Yeah. You know, there was a team that came in uh, to New Jersey named Manny Coronado. as a freshman. And he went to Stevens Institute of Technology, about a 2,000-person school, 2,300 students. He's only disciple there. And um, lots of leadership potential in this guy. And so I pull him aside. I'm talking with him. I'm like, how's it going reaching out to people on your campus? There's no Bible talk at his school. He was helping with another school's Bible talk. And he said to me, this was after midweek one night. He was like, you know, it's going pretty well. I, I think I've been meeting some guys I might want to study. I was like, so you're like trying to share with people on campus? How's it going? He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, I, I didn't really want to tell anybody this, but I kind of made a decision between me and God that I was going to try to share with every student at my school. And I was like, wow, dude, that is awesome. I was like, so how's that been going? He's like, well, I got this app. I'm keeping track on the counter every time I share with people, and I'm at a little over 1,000 right now. This was like two or three weeks into the semester. He's like, I've shared with all of my classes. Nobody even knew. He's just out there doing it. We ended up baptizing a guy. I was like, dude, we're going to start a Bible talk at your school next week. So I showed up the next Monday, and, you know, we ended up baptizing a guy that semester. And Matt's been helping out over there now. We've seen a couple other guys get baptized there. I saw now Manny's an intern now, obviously. And he's like and this guy's just consumed. He's got the desire, the dream, he's got the bug. You know, he's like, I wanna help I wanna help build the church. Yeah. Uh, character, that's probably one of the biggest things. This is one of the more non negotiable things. It's how is this person's character? You could put the word conviction right there with that too. Nice. The conviction. You know, how do they do with school? Do they do well in their classes? How are they at their job? Are they reliable? Are they on time? Can they be dependent on? When you ask them to do something, do they do it? You know, their level of integrity and just kind of spiritual, godly conviction. Do, I think a good question is, do they do the right thing? Can I count on them to do the right thing? How is, how is their character? I think when choosing leaders, we've got to have standards mm-hmm. with yeah. people's character. We can't, you know, a desperation is not a good reason to dilute the, the standard of someone's character. Wow. You know, character is non-negotiable. It's, it's got to be there or it's going to hurt your ministry more than having a leader in a position is going to help your ministry. I think we find ourselves saying no to people pretty often, actually. I think we say no to people more than we say yes to people that want to be in terms or want to be trained. And a lot of times it's because of how they're doing in school or with their finances or their quiet times and things like that. We're saying, no, you got to – or they're not in studies yet. They're not sharing right now. We say, you got you to just start doing this stuff on your own first. You need to develop some conviction and character, not as a leader. So that's another one, consistent. This kind of goes hand in hand, but it's a little different. I think of this as just being somebody who's not high maintenance. Where you don't have to be on them just to be a good Christian. So that you can actually help them to be a leader, not just a Christian. They're, they're already a good Christian. They're consistent. You know, they're, they're, they're having their quiet times. They're growing on their own. They're, they're predictable in a good way. They, you could predict good from them, that they're, they're going to do what you ask them to, to do. They're going to do well. Mm-hmm. You know, this stood out to me and, and Chelsea, too, that Leslie is one of these people, Leslie yeah, Madison. Is. Is. Leslie's incredibly dependable. She's always early to things, on time to things. What, what's awesome about uh, Leslie is anything that we're planning, any event, we're like, hey, can you take care of this? The, you don't even have to think about asking her about it. 
And then when you get to the event, she's done it already, and she did it better than, than you thought she was going to do it. And so just being consistent, someone who can be relied on in that way. Uh, another C, you guys with me? Is this too many Cs? <laughs> another one is, is competent, right? Is this, can this person help people become Christians? Do they, do they know how to think? Do they know how to help people grow? Can they learn quickly? There's just some people who I just I don't know if they have the mental capacity to, to handle it. There's things I don't have the mental capacity to handle. I couldn't handle calculus and physics. And if I did, I would have had to try a lot harder than I was. You know what I'm saying? And so just the, um, the idea of competency and being able to, um, to handle difficult things or to be effective. And are, are you competent uh, when you do something? Can you do it well? There's this guy, Vinny, in our ministry who, to be honest, there's a few of these things that I'm, I'm not quite sure yet if he's got them. But I look at his life and he's helped four or five people become Christians. And so I'm like, okay, so he's effective. And that's got to stand out for something, you know, and so competent, courageous. That's another C. Do, do they have courage? You know, are they going <clears> to <throat> get out there sharing boldly? Are they going to be willing to overcome fear to share or to have hard talks with people and, and just have overall courage? Uh, you know, one of the things that stood out to me about Charles when early on in training him was we would show up for Bible talk and there'd be no visitor there and he'd say, nah, and he'd head back out and he'd go back in the building and he'd come back with somebody, you know, and it's just like, man, the courage to just get out there and say, Hey bro, can you come to something right now? You know, and it's that conviction and the, the courage to be bold. Uh, another one is chemistry. I think being relational, you know, leadership is so much about relationships we don't want people leading who are not good with people, who don't like people, who people don't, who people don't like or don't get along well. You know, we would pull people on our team who honestly we just didn't have good chemistry with and the team didn't work well because of that. That's the people we get along well with and get along well with us and with the team and who the ministry is drawn to in a relational well. You know, I don't know if you've gotten to hang out with her at all, but one of the most chemistry, relatable, uh, relational, relatable people is uh, Danielle Knight. That's right. So I don't know if you've gotten to hang out with Danielle, but she's so chill, easy to get along with. You can mess with her. She laughs. And she'll, you know, she'll mess with you right back. And just this likability, she's so great with the if – you, if you were to see the Queen's sisters, that they're just this hub of women with great friendships uh, that Danielle has really been able to build. And so uh, the last thing, the last C is capacity. And just what can a person handle? Uh, the whole, you know, being trusted with little before being given more. And just kind of seeing, could this person even handle leading a ministry? What's their capacity? Uh, what are they already handling and how are they doing with that? Um, you know, Shauna in, in our New Jersey campus. If you want to be convicted besides Ben Barnett, look at this girl's schedule. Every time she opens her schedule, I'm like, Good grief. Like, she just handles so much. The amount of studies she's in, people she's discipling, D groups she leads, talks she's having, things she's following up with, and things she's planning and on top of. Shauna has proven that she can handle more again and again. And so God has kept using her. Like I said, choose based off these things, but maybe just some of them. Uh, but And you can even use these as, as a barometer of things you want to train people in. Yeah. But I think look for some of these things. Who has two or three of these? Yeah. You know, who has the potential for some of these? And uh, obviously no, no one's a finished project uh, with all of these. But 
We want to choose wisely, and I hope these are some helpful things to help you pick. Chelsea's going to share more about it. Well, we've gone through many ups and downs in our leadership team, and I think the biggest lesson I've learned over these past eight years is that it's really important when you're picking a leader to pick heart over talent. And there have been women in our ministry who I really believed in and had a vision for, and they were very talented, had big personalities, um, were great with people, really smart, but, you know, and so I would try to inspire them and put them in leadership and just keep trying to motivate them, and it just never worked. They weren't effective, they weren't fruitful, and um, they weren't really, like, good at moving hearts, and the reason is just because it wasn't really their dream, and honestly, they were lacking the heart. Like, they had all the skill on the outside, but they, they didn't really have a heart for people, and so they weren't really to make a difference and so they weren't happy in leadership I was frustrated with them and like why do I have to ask them to share their faith every week and you know so I eventually realized that things you know that I just had the wrong people so from there you know I started looking for okay who are people where who have the heart and then I could train them with the rest and you know along came a beautiful young freshman named Brielle future Rupert (laughs) Matt's wife now and Brielle, when she first started, she was such a self-starter. I'd never had to, like, inspire her to share her faith or, you know, inspire her to be in studies with me. Like, she was just really eager to learn, um, always reaching out to people, always with the visitors at events. That was just her heart. And um, she just loved the lost. And we had great chemistry. We got along easily. We had the same convictions that we were wanting to instill in the ministry. You know, she lacked some of the things that the other girls were naturally good at, like how to speak the truth or um, how to draw people out, how to call people higher. So I just had a straight talk with her about it all. I expressed all my vision for her, um, all that I think she's great at and believe in. And I just told her, my concern is that you're not vulnerable enough to be able to effectively help with women. I don't want to see you work more on being in touch with your emotions so that you could really be a good example when you're calling people to do that. And you know, because she just had such, has such a heart to please God, like, she's grown so radically in that, that I, like, writing that was weird, because I can't even really remember that version of her, <laughs> like, that's just, like, and there were even times when I had to tell her, like, can you, you need to lighten up, actually, you're getting a little too heavy, <laughs> like, but, you know, so it's just so much easier to work with people who have the right heart than it is to just work with people who have the talent, and so, you know, even some of the things, you know, that they might naturally, you might have to teach them, like, if they have the right heart, they can grow quicker with it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Chels. So I do want you to think about, first of all, are you training anybody? And if you are, are they the right people? And, and you want to choose the right people. And I'll say this, if you, if you feel like, man, I, I don't think there's anybody right now that does have the gift of leadership or that I do have to train, that, that, then that just becomes something that you focus on and that you pray for. You know, I think um, obviously you, in whatever way you can work with who you have, as long as they're not in sin or, you know, really poor character or something like that. But say, you know what, maybe this guy's not going to go in the ministry, but I could help him become a great Bible talk leader or something like that. But I remember being in that place and just, you know, where it says, ask the Lord of the harvest for workers mm-hmm. and just praying, God, give me some guys that really want to be in the ministry yeah. and like who I can really train and run with. And I remember meeting on campus Charles that semester. Yeah. And then that same semester, Matt coming in from the team ministry. The next fall, Mark coming in. And then us helping this guy, Kyrie, become a Christian who's an intern. And then Vinny. And just now having like – and then we got these other last year, two Joshes that want to go in the ministry. Then this year, Derek who wants to go in. And so it's just 
It's just praying, God, give us people. And then you get on campus and you look for, you, you look for people who are going to be those strong character, prominent men and women. And then you also look to the teen ministry. And you're like, hey, are there some people that can come from there? And just start praying and then getting out there trying to find those people. And I think if you're intentional about it, uh, God will bring them to you. There might be people that you see it for them, but they're not really feeling it for themselves yet. You know, and so this semester, over this, okay, the last four years, there's this girl on our campus named Hannah Baker. She's a leader in her ROTC program. She goes to one of, one of our most prestigious schools, Seton Hall University. Incredibly sharp girl, spiritual, spiritual, and we've just always been like, please just want to do ministry. And it's never been her, her dream or desire. And I think what really helped her a lot, because now she's going to be one of our paid interns this summer. I think what helped her a lot was over this last year, first of all, Shauna investing in her a ton anyway, but getting her to taste victory. Yeah. They pulled her in and she ended up getting to see somebody on her campus get baptized. And I think she understood, oh, wow, this is really special, cool, important, fun, meaningful. And then that started to make her feel like, man, I want to do more of this, you know. And so people you believe in, but maybe they don't see it yet, pull them into victory, help them taste victory a little bit. And then they'll want some more of that. I'm going to have to be quicker on these next two points, but choose the right people and then commit deeply. you got to get really involved. You, you don't want to just pick people and then kind of half-heartedly train them. Right. Be like finding an open person to study with and you meet once a month, <laughs> once every other month. No, if you find a great person to train, dive right in because it's super Amen. important. Mm-hmm. said he chose the 12 and said whom he also designated. That word designated, like set aside as special, like designated apostles, that they might be with him. And so he said, look, you guys are going to be with me all the time. I'm, I'm, my time is valuable. I've got three years here, but you guys are going to get more of it than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And he committed deeply to them. Wow. He designated them apostles. Do you think they knew they were designated? Yeah. yeah. You, know, you don't want to say, hey, I'm training this guy. Do they know you're training them? Mm-hmm. Does she know you're training her? Does she know that she's special in your life? Does he know that he's got special priority in your life? Mm-hmm that you're training them, that they're being trained by you. They knew that. It was clear. we got to make sure that's clear as well, that people know they're in a special designated role in our life and that they feel like they have a top priority in our life as well. Yeah. Now, I think the whole – my last point is, is commission boldly. And I, I want to say that the committing to them where, where you really pull them into your life and, and pull them in with you and the whole commissioning them, letting them go have their own experiences and learn and do things – go hand in hand and simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You don't have them spend time with you and then send them out. It's both at the same time. Yeah. And does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, so it's kind of not like, hey, be with me and then I'll send you out. Be with me, I'll send you out, be with me. And it's not like Jesus didn't send his guys out until he was done and gone. They were doing things and then came back and got training, did things, came back, got training. They went, they went simultaneously. Yeah. So I think this whole point about commit deeply, it's the idea of whoever you're training that you're really, you're really making them have a special place in your life, a priority, that they're part of your life, they know your life, they know what you do, how you do it, why you do it, your heart about things, the way you think about things, and, and the way that you do things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're really pulling them into you, your life, your heart, your mind, the way you do, why you do, what you do. And so, so how do you help them do that? I think a big part of it is just talking a lot. Like talking so much, you know, like texting frequently, phone calls regularly. We use Voxer a lot. 
an app to just be able to kind of quick leave messages to each other and respond and fast forward it in three times speed and get to the gist of it quickly. You know, so talking a ton, you know, getting getting quality discipling time every week, a good hour and a half or two every week together to talk about everything, to get to get through all of it, talking together. Pulling them into your life, your house, you know, having them in your home, your apartment, wherever you live, and just letting them into your struggles, your victories, your life, and, and what's going on with right. you. You know, they, they learn so much by walking with you and just seeing and hearing and being part of that. You know, asking good questions. You know, well, why do you think I did that? Why, why do you think I do it this way? And hearing what they think and then getting to explain, here's why I did that, why I do it this way. Right. You know, for... For them to be in studies with you, to hear you lead studies, to hear you lead Bible talk, to be in tougher talks with you, to hear you have those talks and uh, to, to handle those difficult situations together, that they're hearing how you do it, right? They're, they're with you, seeing you, hearing you, watching you, and then you're, you're talking about it together. Why do you think I did that? Here's why, right? And, and, and helping them to get into your mind and into your heart with how you lead and how you build ministry. You know, talking a lot about character stuff, helping them with stuff in their character. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a big part of it. And all those different C's I went through that, they're seeing those in your life and then you're helping them with the ones that maybe they're weak in and helping them excel in the ones that they're strong in in their life. I think a big part of it is, is them being with you and paying attention to you, but also you paying attention to them. That you're watching them, you're, you're understanding who they are better, how they function, how they think. And you're, you're noticing things that maybe need to be taught or corrected or helped. But you're also noticing things that are strengths and need to be applauded and encouraged. And you're quick to do both of those things. But it's because you're, you're watching, you're paying attention at meetings of the body. What are they doing? You know, and then and you're learning about them. You know, and in conversations, you're listening and you're, you're learning how they think. So that, that's a big part of being, being with them is, is you hearing them as well. I think about the years that I've been with these guys, and I think we've talked about so many different things. And I think that's been a really big part of training is for me to, for us just to have a lot of conversations about ministry stuff, personal stuff, stuff going on in the world, on campus, life stuff, and just to kind of for them to get training from me on how to think or feel about a whole range of different things, issues going on. Just talking about a lot of different things. And uh, the last thing I'll say before Chelsea comes back up is it's so important that part of them being with you is friendship. Yeah. You know that Jesus didn't train these guys under the confines of some business model or business relationship. He said, you know, I, I've called you friends. Yeah. Right. And that they, were, they really were friends and that they, they were in each other's lives. They, you know, that for anybody you're training, you should be a friend. You should be a safe place, a supporter somebody who they know takes genuine interest in their welfare yeah. and who uh, loves and believes in them. And you, you've got that great relationship uh, as you're training them as well. Yeah. Amen. I have two quick points about um, on, how to train young women. And it's, I didn't even realize they were C words. It's kind of funny. But um, it's connect and challenge. Women need you to connect with them and challenge them. Yeah, that's you know, the women really need you to feel that you're genuinely interested in their life outside of ministry. I really believe young women thrive when they feel safe, believed in, and heard. And that they're not going to give you their whole heart if they don't genuinely believe that you love them. They need to feel comfortable coming to you when they've messed up with dating problems, family problems, 
when they're hurt, if you've hurt their feelings, just all of that. It's important that they feel like they can talk to you about anything. And I think it's important that they feel that they can have their own thoughts and ideas and that they're learning how to think for their, themselves and not just following directions. And that they can feel confident to know what to do one day when they're leaving their own ministry. So, you know, I try to really intentionally ask the girls I'm working with, what do you think or what's your gut? And, and try to help them come up with their own decision and even let them make mistakes. And I'm honestly okay with, dis- with girls disagreeing with me and having a different opinion or different point of view because I want them to develop their own convictions and to really learn from themselves and to get to try different things so that they have their own personal leadership style and their own convictions about what's the right thing to do. And so I also think it's important to really encourage them, the specific ways that you see them growing. I think women just need tons of words of affirmation, encouragement. They need to just constantly be reinforced that they're, they're growing, they're doing well, and, that, um, and they really will thrive with that. Yeah. And they also do need to be challenged. <laughs> it's important that women have clear direction on what they're being trained in. And I know sometimes, you know, there's obvious things we train the women in, but then sometimes there's like um, little things, like character personality quirks that were like, should I bring that up, should I not? You know, like, oh, I noticed she's kind of on her phone a lot during fellowship, or she's kind of like a little too comfortable during this meeting, or uh, she's a little too serious, or a little too like airy, you know? Like there could be things with people, but you're like, well, I don't want to squash their personality, or I don't want to like be nitpicky, and. You know, but I've just, I've just learned that the spirit can be nudging us with things and that we need to just kind of listen and bring things up when we're feeling that and be honest about things they can grow in and give specific examples of these things. And it's so interesting because Shauna yesterday shared in her class about how I kept ch- challenging her on being too comfortable. And, you know, she was saying that she was feeling like, what is she talking about? And there were honestly times where I felt like, what am I talking about? Because I felt like I kept bringing the same thing up. And I was like, maybe I'm just being too OD. Like, maybe she is fine. But, you know, I didn't even know this. Like, just in my gut, I felt like she's just playing it safe, though. This girl's a world changer. She doesn't even know it. And, like, I didn't know until years later that that idea she had of sharing with 1,000 people came from those conversations. Like, that's where the spirit was going with it. And so it's just amazing, you know. She took that, the heart of what I was saying and made her own conviction with it. So you just never know how the spirit is going to, like, through the way you're challenging people, like, what it's going to do to help make them more Christ-like. Awesome. So committing deeply, really making sure, this is the half of it of pulling them into your life so they can learn, see, and, and, and be gaining all the insight that you have. But then paired with that is commissioning, sending them out, right? And so the third point is commission boldly, and this will be the shortest and quickest one, but really giving them a chance to lead themselves and to be given a shot. I, I so think that experience is the best teacher and trainer. You know that I've learned so much from books, classes, but I've learned even more just from getting out and doing it, from making mistakes, from doing the right thing and realizing it worked, you know, and just getting out and having experience. And the passage, it said, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Or it says, and then he gave them authority to drive out demons. And so a big part of training is being stretched and just having to be boldly sent out to have your own experiences. You know, and it's not just about going to practice. It's about getting in the game as well, right? And so we're, we're training people, but then, okay, now go put it into practice. I like that it says Jesus gave them authority. Right. 
think, you know, we lead our ministries and sometimes it could be hard to want to give over some authority. Say, you know what? I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you take care of this instead of me. But that's in training people. We, we need to be willing to pass on responsibilities and opportunities to the people we're training, even if we feel like we could do it better. Because that's not actually better for the church for you to just keep doing it all. Yeah. What's better is, is to give some authority to the people that you're training as well. What's not good is to give authority and then to not, not double back and evaluate, to train, to just go, you take care of it, and then to never talk about how it went and stuff like that. Training with the sending out goes hand in hand uh, at the same time. The word might is in there, right? And so some of that is just getting that training as you're sending out and you're, you're, you're evaluating as people are getting those experiences. But uh, Chelsea's going to share a little more about this. Yeah, I think this is a big deal with us as women because really for us it's an issue of control. Like we, we don't want to let other people make mistakes. It's easier to just do it ourselves. And we don't want, you know, sometimes it's letting other people have the victory. That can be hard or letting other people figure things out on their own. Um, and it, it could just be easy for me to get stuck in the day-to-day of ministry without thinking about who am I passing things on to. But we really can't grow past, our ministry can't grow past you if you're the only one doing the work. And I, I know training others really does take a lot of time and trust, which it could be hard, you know, with, with the women, especially when your mom's in here. It does take a lot more time. And it does take a lot of trust in God, and that's really letting go of control. And just sometimes the studies will be longer because you have to talk through things with them before and after, you know, but that's the only way they're going to learn if we really let them do it. And we have to trust God that things will be okay, even if someone doesn't do it exactly how I would, you know, or even if they butcher it, like <laughs> that God could even cover that up. And, you know, there's been studies I've sat in where I've just had to hold my breath, like, oh, I want to take over so bad. But, you know, I can't. I have to let them lead it. And, you know, I've had to decide, and being a mom has especially helped with this, because there's been nights I'm like, I just can't count the cost of someone. I didn't sleep. Like, and I've had to, you know, before Shauna really knew how, I had to just let her do it and just pray and pray. But it's actually, it was good for me to learn how to let go and other people take the driver's seat. And people are, the women will really be raised up that way, but it's also really good for us as women to kind of learn how to like, all right, I don't got to do all of it. (laughs) Amen. So commission the people you're training to various tasks, responsibilities, opportunities, to give them an opportunity to put into practice what they're learning, to gain some of their own experiences, just like you learn so much from uh, your own experiences as well. You know, if you're wondering if somebody could be a leader or not, give them something to be in charge of, something little, and see if they drop the ball on it or if they do amazing with it. And then you go, wow, you're faithful with little, here's more. You know, and just by giving people responsibility and tasks, it frees you up to do other things and that you can serve in different ways, and then it helps them uh, to learn and to grow and to see what their capacity is as well. I think one of the things um, that's helped to, to kind of stretch and and pull people forward is having conversations like with Matt, Mark, whoever, at the beginning of each semester of, okay, so this semester, what what's going to be the goal for your training? Like, and it started off with, okay, you're going to learn how to lead Bible talks well. Okay. But then later on it became, so this semester, the goal is for you to learn how to effectively lead the seeking and the word and the discipleship study. And then the next semester, okay, now you're going to learn how to lead Maybe you only got through the first two of those. Now you're going to learn discipleship and sin. Okay, now this semester, what are we going to learn? And, and by doing that over the course of like two and a half, three years, they're able to learn all the studies. But it was intentional 
this semester, which studies are we mastering, right? And then there's character stuff too. Okay, this semester, what in your character really needs to, to be focused on? Maybe it was keeping a planner and learning how to plan your week. Maybe it was lesson writing. Maybe it was something in emotional stability and emotional maturity and being more consistent and reliable or uh, your prayer life or, or just different things. It's like this semester, what, what's going to be the, the target area of growth and of training? Does that make sense? And then throughout, the, you pick one or two things, a skill thing, a character thing. And then throughout the semester, how's it going with that? Have you led that study yet, right? And, and you're, you're evaluating how it's going with those things. You know, I think uh, you just want to think through kind of a natural progression of leadership. Okay, somebody has a few small tasks. Okay, now they lead a Bible talk. Now they're discipling a person, two people. They can lead half the studies. They can lead all the studies. Now they can disciple three. Like, there's just kind of a natural stretching that, that occurs. And you, you want to think through the process of that. You know, Jesus didn't dump something totally new on the apostles when he left. They had been, they had been doing it the whole time. Getting And when he left, it, it was like kind of able to say, keep doing what we've been doing. You know, when we sent Charles out from New Jersey to the Bronx, I know there were some, man, am I ready for this? You know, and, and some, but it's like, dude, just do what we've been doing. Yeah. You know, and there's so much confidence. And if, if the whole time you've been letting people, you, you pull them in, they watch you, you send them out, you watch them. And then, then you just keep doing it that way. Then there's confidence in just do what we've been doing yeah. as they get sent out into new roles. Yeah. You guys, a lot of you guys have heard this or know this, but it's just that, you know, I do, you watch, you do, I watch. And then I, you can kind of get to the point where it's, you just do it and I don't even need to watch. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's kind of how it's been with these guys is I lead the Bible talk. They watch, we talk about it. They lead it. I watch, we talk about it. They lead it. I don't even need to watch anymore. First few studies, I do it, they watch, we talk about it. They do it, I'm there, we talk about it, and then I don't need to be there anymore. You know, but I think a key point with all that is the talk about it. How'd it go? What went well? What didn't go well? What would you do differently? What did you think about when I said that and had to step in? Why do you, you know what I mean? And, and just having that conversation. And then even when you're not in the studies anymore, still talking about it. You know, for a little while at least, until you really feel like they've got this now. We don't even need to talk about those studies anymore. Right. But just a lot of conversation because we want to build a strong and healthy church. Yeah. We don't want to build a weak, fragile church. Right. Right. And so we want to make sure the people we're training are ready to be effective right. and are going to do well. And so talking gives me confidence that they know what they're doing. Right. And at the point where I'm saying, now I don't need to worry about even how you're doing with that anymore because we've talked about it. I've seen it. I've seen the produce of it. And so you've got this now. And so, you know, really training that we're giving people is only theory until we commission them to go get to put these things into practice and have the opportunities to grow, uh, learn and get their own experiences. Guys, I hope I hope that that you've learned something from this. I think one of the biggest things for me from here is that you put it on a as an expectation on yourself as a leader that just like you need to plan events, write lessons, preach baptize people you need to be raising up leaders if you don't multiply leaders the church is not going to grow we're not going to be able to plant the churches we're so excited about planting right that's one of the biggest things keeping us from planting more churches right now is there's just not leaders to do it and so we've got to say no i need to be focused on raising up leaders so choose wisely commit deeply and commission boldly amen thanks I'm going to do this with my child in hand. But um, guys, that was, that was awesome. Man. Thank you so much, Rob.
What do you say? Nothing good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but um. So man, that, that was.